right, friend, this episode is jam-packed with ideas around co-dependency. Co-dependency. How many vowels is that? How many, how many syllables is that? Oh my gosh. You're listening to The Connected Calm Life. My name is Lane Kennedy, and I am so glad that you found me. Thanks for listening to the show and make sure to share this episode and rate and review it over on iTunes because then other people will find it. I so appreciate you being here. And again, thanks for sharing. Hey, this is Michelle. Welcome to the Connected Calm Life podcast. Michelle, what's up? Yay! I'm so excited to be here. I love anything recovery. So this is a real treat for me. Yes. This is like gold. I'm really, I'm so glad that we got connected to Mar. Me too. uh, Introduced us. And if you haven't listened to that show, I'm going to put it in the show notes so you can go back and listen to Mar's episode because it was dynamic. We talked about codependency. We may travel down that path again today. Who knows? Uh, Michelle, I know that you're in long-term recovery. Yes. Which fires me up. I just get like, yes. Well, you know know what? It's funny because when I first started recovery, I thought, when I get 10 years, I'm going to be there. I'm going to, I'm going to have it all together. And then you get to 10 and you go, wow, this isn't what I thought. And then you get to 20 and you go, it's better, but it's not perfect. And then you get to 30 because I'm at about 32 years. And actually the process gets more and more humbling. Okay. I'm going to pause you right there. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think you just brought up really like the segments of sobriety. And I always talk about, uh, I believe that we find people who are tribe mates Mm. or they speak the same dialect. Yes. And I think it's a phenomenon about like, at five years, you have an awakening like, oh, this isn't coming. I'm not, this is, I'm doing this. You know, at 10 years, uh, there's that reality check. At 20 years, I was falling apart. What were, what was happening for you at 20 years? You know, uh, similar. I was <laughs> looking at, I was knee deep in my codependency and I was like, oh my God, now I have a whole other friggin' layer to do. I mean, I had started it, but it was... I was in the thick of it. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And then, uh, so I just turned 25 mm. and I am Yay. like, uh, yes, thanks. I am riding the high right now. Mm, it's so good. good. Mm-hmm. So what happens at 30? You, Cause you, know, you said it's a humbling moment. Like there's a, so I want to hear a little bit about that. Well, I do think riding the wave like you're talking about, because I I had done enough work that I thought, wow, I'm actually understanding what serenity is. Mm. But yet at the same time, the ego I had in the beginning, because honestly, I think part of what happens in 12-step programs is we want that 10 years. We want that 15 years because it tells people that we're, uh, we've kind of arrived, we're important, we're this, we're that. And I totally get that because we all are trying to matter. So when I came in, I thought I would matter more if I had X number of years in recovery. And I think when I started hitting 30, I was realizing, man, if I let that ego get to me, I'm screwed because then I think I've had it. Now I'm hot crap. And 
that's just not, that's just not going to help me because I, then I'm in my will and not God's will. And you know, then my life doesn't go very well. <laughs> okay. 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 You see, you're speaking my yes, dialect, yes. my, right. Um, <laughs> I get so fired up about recovery. And when I meet other like-minded women, I just like, my heart just explodes. I'm like, yeah. yes. Uh, and you said my will versus God's will. And, you know, a lot of my listeners, you know, new in recovery, old in recovery, if you believe in the GOD or not, I call it the ocean of yum. Ooh, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. That's where I guide my people into the ocean of yum. And I want to kind of differentiate my will and God's will. How, how yes. do you do that? What, what is that? What does that mean for you? So when I'm in my will, I am not open to suggestion. I'm really thinking I have the answer. So I do, do, do into my life, which isn't necessarily bad all the time, but I, I'm not open to, you know what? I don't have control of the outcome. Whereas if I'm in God's will or higher powers will or universe will, whatever you want to call it, I'm open to, you know what, I'm going to do the footwork, but I have no control of the results. So I'm more relaxed because I'm not stressing myself into feeling like everything is my responsibility because it's not. Do you have a story that you could share around that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. So I think this was like three years ago. I, ha- I have a house in Tahoe that I rent. And I rent it during the Christmas holidays. And that's the most important time to rent. So I don't know. I was just there. Oh, yeah. Oh, and all that snow. It was beautiful. Yeah, I'll bet. Oh, stunning. It it, it inspired me to want to go back, which Uh I'm typically like, I don't want to be in cold. Mm. I want a vacation in Mexico on the beach. But this, it was so, (laughs) I had like this, oh, this is so nice. It's gorgeous. Okay. So you have this place. Go ahead. So I don't know why, but I was looking at my calendar on VRBO and I realized I had double booked someone for Christmas. Worst thing, I'm like, and as a codependent, I felt hugely responsible. I'm ruining their Christmas. Oh my God. So what do I do? I tell the person, right? And he's flipping out, super rude about it, whatever. But you know, I get his point. It's terrible. So I say, I am going to find you another place. So I find him another place, pay three grand for it. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. But you know, I'm accountable. I have to make amends for my mistake and fix it. I do all of this. And this is probably in about an hour and a half's time. I book the place. I tell him all about it. And then I look back at my calendar and realize I did not double book after all. So I did all of that. And you know what? It was a huge wake up call for me because I realized I wasn't present. Mm -hmm. I let my anxiety run amok Mm -hmm. and I didn't slow down and say, you know what? Let me take a breath. Let me pause. I didn't do that because I ran on pure fear of, oh my God, I'm ruining somebody's Christmas. Oh, that is such a good story. Oh my God, Michelle. But I think it takes that, right? It takes that kind of like that financial hurts. Right. Well, and the shame, 
I Mm. felt so much shame, like, oh my God, I did this to someone. And you know what? I have never had that much shame since because I, that was such a good lesson to realize that, you know what, Michelle, I did my best. I messed up. I fixed it. I can walk away and love myself warts and all. And that's what I got out of it is now it's like, I'm a lot more careful <laughs> when I uh, look at things, especially online. Cause I can easily misread an email, misread mm-hmm. dates. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, that was a really humbling lesson, but that was the humility. And that was around 30 years. So oh. right on track. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I'm just, oh, that's really good. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. You know, the shame spirals that people can like mm-hmm. go down, I I don't recognize them mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. until I'm, you know, at the bottom, like crying, like, what did I do? How am I, what, what, why am I here? Mm-hmm. And it's so brutal. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, for me. Yeah. I, that's what it takes for me to have those awakenings for me to get closer to that ocean of yum where I'm like, okay, you've got this. Exactly. And that's the gift. If if we can't see the pain as the gift, then we're never going to want to go through the pain. And every single time I have an experience like that, I get a gift at the other end. And I trust that now. I totally trust that. When did you start trusting that? What year? What do you think? Uh, When my dad died. That was about four years into recovery and it was my worst fear, but living through that fear made me realize that, you know what, I'm going to be okay no matter what. And I had my tribe. So that got me through it. That's it's so true. Having a tribe, having the community. Oh, it's a freaking godsend. Yep. So you, you spoke, you just mentioned codependency. So I want to bring that into our conversation because I didn't know about this topic. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know about this because I don't have a, like, I'm not a, I don't identify as a codependent person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very like solo. I'm doing it. I got it. I don't, I'm going to go on my own trail here. Yeah. And about three years ago, four years ago, I got into a relationship and I got to tell you, it was, it was kind of codependent. And I was like, what is going on here? How does Mm -hmm. this happen? How does codependency, like, where does it even come from? I was like, what is going on? Why am I obsessing about this person who I don't even like, I'm not in love with. It's not my, (laughs) like, what's happening? So I want to hear, I want to talk a little bit about that to give our listeners some insight perhaps Mm -hmm. and your experience. Yeah. So for me, codependency is a relationship pattern where we focus on others at our own expense. So we get so focused on what other people are doing and how we can help or fix or rescue them that we lose ourselves in the process. So uh, being happy gets dependent on what other people feel, what other people think of us versus how we feel within ourselves. So we don't have a solid sense of self. And that was very apparent when I hit 13 years in recovery, because that's when I started going back to Al-Anon and doing the deal. And I realized, oh my God, I am literally looking outside of myself for my worth instead of looking in. And, you know, that messes up a lot of stuff because your self-esteem is like the wind. 
you know, and it changes uh, every second versus having a solid foundation, which is what I realized I needed to build. Okay. So when I was in this situation a couple mm-hmm. years back yeah, and you know, this, it was, I was trying to fix, mm, Okay, I was trying to fix them Yep, and rescue the, those two. And I, I had never even huh. thought about this. Mm-hmm. Never even like came up. And I remember having a conversation with a, a mentor and they had me do some writing around it. And the, tr- like the truth started to get revealed, you know, like I needed more in my life. I needed validation because I wasn't getting it from someone. Yep. And I was looking for that validation, like, oh, you're doing mm-hmm. so great. Lane, you're such a great, you're so awesome. Thanks so much for helping me, right? Like I was looking outside to get that sense of um, validation. And after I came to this conclusion of, oh, this is what codependency is? Like this, I don't want to do this. This is not, no. Right. Uh, It really kind of, I got back on my path. Like I, my, you know, um, raising my flag and, being a trailblazer uh, right. and being in my lane. Like mm-hmm. I got really clear that my happiness, my self-esteem, my se- sense of self-worth is dependent on my relationship to that ocean of yum that I always talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. So this happiness idea, which is so good. I think a lot of people in recovery suffer because they get into these, you know, entangled relations and, you know, they're like, oh, but they're not doing what I want them. And then that affects them. And then they're not happy. And then they go into that shame spiral and it's a disaster. Right. Right. And so how do we, how do we change? Well, I think the hardest thing for the person who's codependent realizing these issues is we have to get the focus off of other people and back onto us. I can't, I can't make other people (laughs) be with what I want them to be. I have to do it myself. And that's where codependency, you know, there's a lot of different symptoms and it looks different on different people, which is why some people miss it. So some people might relate to being super responsible and they're the first ones to volunteer and they're super dynamic and they're very assertive. Uh, But the other style and actually the assertive style can seem somewhat controlling. So this is the codependent that tells you what they think you should do versus the other type of codependent to me is like the people pleaser. So Michelle. Okay. Let's get into like different types of codependency, right? Like, because it cuts us off from being happy. It cuts us off from our self-esteem. It cuts us off from this ocean of yum that I talk about. So what are some, what are some true tell signs? So the first thing is, this really is kind of like a tree with many branches so some people actually miss it. They don't realize they're codependent because they don't necessarily think they're a people pleaser or they don't feel like they're uh, somebody who gives too much, but they might be controlling. So there's one type of codependent. I know someone uh, that used to go to my church that, that fit this personality type where they were kind of 
super helpful, jack of all trades, but always telling you what you should do. So you kind of felt bad, like, oh, God, I'm always doing it wrong. And they mean well, but they, that's their, their type of codependency is more in your face because they want control and that's how they feel safe. The people pleaser is much more the chameleon, the one that changes depending on who they're with. They want to please and avoid conflict. That's me. <laughs> that's, that's definitely the path I was on. Uh, and those people tend to recognize their codependency a little bit faster because they really are looking for validation outside of themselves. Whereas the controlling codependent feels like they have the self-esteem, thinks they have it, but really gets frustrated when they're not acknowledged, when people don't do what they want them to do. So they have their own uh, issues. But again, those are two totally different types of people. Two different types of people completely. Yeah. I would be the controller for sure. Yeah. If I was suffering from this. Uh, I'm so grateful that I like, it's kind of off my radar a little bit, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but this is a common, I find this with a lot of my clients and just, yeah. in, I think of women in general, mm -hmm. like we, um, right. go we get cultured that, to do this. Yeah. It's like, exactly. We're cultured to do this, but there's also that, um, the fight, fright, freeze mm -hmm. and you know, the fawn. I know. I just heard that too. Th this term, I can't stand this term. I'm like, oh, uh -huh. <laughs> but you know, that's where we go. Oh, what can I do to help? Right. right. <laughs> right. We acquiesce. Yes. Ooh, makes me crazy, but <gasps> it's, it's a real thing. Yeah. And what do we do? Like, how, how do we change it? How do you change it? I mean, you're 32 yeah. years into this, right? How, how do you change it? So I had to get to the point where I hit a bottom with seeking approval mm. and it was many years in my codependency recovery, honestly, before that happened. So I was still working on stuff, but I was working on my codependency, really working to better my relationships. I, I wasn't ready to really look at myself yet. I mean, I was, I was looking at my relationship patterns and all that, but uh, I had a friendship crash and burn and that woke me up and that made me realize, holy crap, I'm doing it again. I'm depending on someone else to feel good. And that was a huge aha moment. And so then all my work became about how do I really focus on building my own self-esteem and taking that focus off of other people, whether that's validation, whether that's rescuing, whether that's helping and really putting it back to me and saying, okay, what do I need? What do I think? What boundaries do I need to set? And that's honestly probably the biggest hurdle in codependency recovery is to get that focus off of them and onto us because we don't want that. We want to stay connected. <laughs> we don't want to look inside and see ourselves. See, I'm like having a, I'm like twitching. I'm like, how come you don't want to see, like, why, why, how is that possible? Like, uh -huh. cause I, 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 like you want to be connected to somebody else. So I think what I'm hearing is that you have to redirect your attention to yourself yes. to feel empowered and happy. Yes. Right. Like, so that becomes the work of a codependent is like redirecting the attention. Yeah. And it feels really foreign because we're so used to getting that approval or that using the relationship to feel good that it feels really weird to go, Oh, how do I feel good without somebody? 
you know, because a lot of people, their codependency shows up and they're good as long as they're in a relationship. But if they're not in a relationship, they tank. Oh, I can't even imagine that. See, I just, that I can't, my brain does not think like that at all. I'm just like, what? But I know so many people, this is, yeah, this is, again, we're cultured into it. Absolutely. 100%. And isn't Uh, that a blessing that you don't relate? (laughs) In some regard, it is. It really is. But on the other side, I'm like, but I could help someone, so many more people if I did, but no, I don't need one more thing that I can help people with. <laughs> I have you, Michelle, you can Well, help. you're helping people now, even by identifying with the controlling part and being able yes. to be super responsible part, because some people are going to recognize themselves in that. This is true. Yeah. Sometimes that control thing, when I, when I become too controlling, I know I'm out of alignment. Mm-hmm, like right. it's a, but that took a long time for me to get there. Yeah. I mean, I was 20, probably 20. Yep. 22, maybe. Yep. Where I was like, oh, Jesus, I have a control problem. <laughs> like this, this is out of, I'm right. out, of, out of, I'm out of control because I'm controlling too much. Yeah. And yeah. my happiness was in the tank, like mm-hmm. bottomed out. Like there was nothing mm-hmm. full about that. So, you know, Last month I was talking about happiness. This month I'm talking about mm-hmm. happiness because I think I think it's so important for women to use happiness and practice happiness. And I believe it's a skill. Mm. I don't think it's something that we oh, just I love like that. know how to do. Mm-hmm. And right. you know, That's like true. I think we need to be taught how to be happy. And I, I've talked about this before. How you know when we're children, we're dumped off in the in the sand pit. And, you know, we watch other kids, you know, dump the sand and we learn from them. Like, this is how we play. We see the other child laughing and then we start laughing, right? We, mm, we right. model, right, this play idea, but we don't, mo- like, happiness is like some obscure, what is that? Happy? You know, this is an emotion right. that, I, again, I just think about people in recovery. It's like, am I happy? I don't know. <laughs> we, well, right. Because how many of our parents showed us how to be happy? Mm-hmm. Were they happy? You know, if you don't see it, you don't learn it. That's it. So we have to learn how to be happy. We have to learn how to recognize it. Mm-hmm. We have to learn how to celebrate it. So how are the ways or how do you identify when you're happy? <laughs> uh, well, I can, I can feel it. But I remember when I was raising my son, I was an at-home mom for like the first 14 years. And I, I don't regret that. That was really important for me. Uh, but I remember being super tired when he was a baby. Um, and my happy place was Starbucks. We would go to Starbucks and I would get a friggin' latte. And it was little things like that that made me happy until I could get to the bigger things. You know, but just that watching 90210 when that used to be popular. I mean... <laughs> And 30 something. I mean, you know, it's just, or, or having a connection with, with a girlfriend that was really meaningful. Now that would spark my codependency at times, but still it was, there was a joy in that or going to a meeting and feeling like, Oh, I totally get everybody in this meeting. Mm -hmm. So there were little things um, that I like to say as moments of happiness. That's so true. Oh, I get so happy sometimes watching a TV show. Uh-huh. You know, 90210, that was a sober show for me. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to just binge on that. I'd be like, I can't wait till Wednesday night. It's going to be on Wednesday night. I got to watch it Wednesday night. Like <gasps> this is really craziness, right? Um, yeah. That's fun. And I like this idea of going to Starbucks. <laughs> uh, and were you were you drinking with your kid, or is your kid seen you only sober? Uh, well, my addiction was from food, so a little bit different. I, I've never been much of a drinker. I mean, I drank a little bit in high school, but it always made me really sick. Um, so, and my dad was an alcoholic, so I knew that really wasn't the path I was going to go down. But I had had food issues from day one. So I already had my addiction <laughs> well before teens. So that was, uh, for me, I got sober with the food uh, when I was about 21. But again, that's not a perfect process either because you have to deal with it every day. So I always share uh, that I live in long-term recovery from alcohol, drugs, and Snickers bars. And people always <laughs> think like, what are you talking about Snickers bars? But that's no joke. Food is a beast. And yeah, especially in AA recovery. Yes. All those cookies and oh. people tend to gain weight. It's super yes. common. In my early recovery, I remember um, just eating like mm-hmm. popcorn, yep. um, you know, uh, cookies, uh, chocolate cake. Mm -hmm. I've talked about chocolate cake before on the show back with Catherine just, and how I had a choice between drinking or eating chocolate cake. And I chose to eat a chocolate cake. Right. Uh, but that later became like my nemesis eating, you know, like really it was too much. So thank you for sharing about your food and going through that process of putting that in alignment with yourself mm-hmm. because it's hard, you know, right. eating three times a day, uh, figuring out your food program or how you want to mm-hmm. eat and how you um, don't want to eat. It's, it's right. really challenging, but you have one kiddo? Yes, one. So your recovery has, he's been in your recovery. You got sober. Mm-hmm. Before he was born. Found recovery. Yeah. Yeah. So I have that same story where my kid has never Mm. seen me um, out of my mind, hungover, or binging on Snickers bars. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I can't even imagine. I'm going to go back to Starbucks and that happy moment. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because I think that's important to just identify like what makes you happy. Right. Right. We forget like what makes us happy. Well, and we don't think about the little things. We think of, oh, if only I had a relationship, if only I had a better job. It's like, those are big things. You know, what can you do today to feel happy? What are those little things that make you smile? Because that to me is where the serenity is. So, so true, Michelle. Yes. So I want to ask our listeners to write down what makes you happy today. What are the mm. small things? Love that. You know, what are the small things that you are doing today that bring you joy and fill your heart? Uh, and if you've been listening to the show a long enough, you know, I always say at the end, may you find something bright, something light that fills you up so you can be the best you can be. So I want you to find that today. I want you to indulge in happiness. Michelle, is there anything else that you want to bring to our listeners today? You know, the one thing I usually say is don't judge yourself for what it looks like. You're, mm. You are exactly where you need to be right now, right this minute. 
don't judge it because sometimes when we're not feeling great, that doesn't mean we're doing it wrong. It just means, you know, we're in a funk or something's up and we're not feeling our best, but this too will pass. That's it right there. This too will pass. Yes. Oh, Michelle, thank you so much for being a friend and for being on the road to recovery and sharing all the gifts that you have today. Awesome. So you can also find this recording over in the Connected Calm Life members area. And perhaps Michelle will be in there as well. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. May you find something bright, something light, and something so delicious that fills you up so you can be the best I know you can be. Until next time, take good care. As always, thank you for listening. Yes. It's just a lot. I know. We're living in a time where... Maybe you have some codependency. Maybe you need some help. Well, I'm so grateful that you listened. Check out the members area. If you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling alone, right now the members area is free. It's not going to be free forever. I'll tell you that right now. I'm looking for founding members. And if that's you, jump in today. I hope to see you there over at members.connectedcalmlife.com. Thanks again for listening. Share this with a friend and I will see you next time.